great things he has done. I invite you to join me in Romans 15, if you're not there already, Romans 15, as we continue our theme for the year on one another. We kind of cheated and did two of them last month, and we're going to be continuing on in that uh, this evening here in Romans 15. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we confess that you have done great things. And even as we say that, as we look back, there are many things that come to mind, both in biblical history, even in our own lives, as we reflect on the great things that you have done. And perhaps the greatest is our salvation in Christ alone. And we rejoice in that hope. And this evening as we gather together as we look at this passage, may we be encouraged to love one another, to sacrifice for one another for the sake of the gospel because of who we are in Christ and because of who you are. I pray that you'd be honored in all that is said and done in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. People can be difficult. I one time had a pastor tell me, you know, ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. <laughs> Obviously, he wasn't pastoring this church. You guys are great. He must have been pastoring somewhere else. But, but the reality is that we, we've all dealt with people, right? People are difficult. It is hard to get along with one another. There's times when it's easy, when we're in a good mood, when things are going our way. People aren't always reasonable. And it's not always easy to get along with one another. And yet, as we've been working our way through Romans uh, 12, 13, really last, uh, this last month in Romans 14, beginning of 15, we've seen the call, the need to love one another to bear with one another, to sacrifice for one another. And as we come to our passage this morning, this evening, here in uh, Romans 15, verses really 7 or, or 8 to 13, we see our example in that. We touched on it uh, last month as we looked at the beginning of chapter 15. Uh, there's a reference uh, put on Christ starting in, uh, or let's see, where is that? The first several uh, verses here. The first several verses of chapter 15. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. It's that thought that is carried forward now into verse 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Jesus, our example. Jesus, our example. Specifically, verses 8 to 12. Verse 7, we ended there uh, last time we were together in this series. It says, therefore, receive one another. And you may remember I mentioned this at the end of our passage last week. But that goes all the way back to this section starting in the beginning of chapter 14. Paul starts with that same argument. Receive one who is weak in the faith. Receive him. 
Welcome him in. Embrace him. He goes on in, in this uh, chapter 14, the beginning of chapter 15, to, to discuss this. Now he comes to verse 7 of chapter 15, and he returns to that idea. Therefore, based on all these things that I have said, therefore, he returns to that same idea. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ received us. Christ, our example. How did he receive us? To the glory of God. As you go into verse 8, now he's explaining. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. The circumcision, as we know, that would be the Jews. Christ became a servant to the Jews. For the truth of God. He became a servant to the Jews for the truth of God. What we see here is that Jesus' action is motivated by God's character, not by selfish ambition. Jesus submitted himself to God's plan. What is it that he did in which he is an example to us? He became a servant. Then why did he do this? For the truth of God. For the truth of God, Jesus testifies to God's truthfulness. Because God is true, Jesus became a servant. What was the purpose of this? To confirm the promises made to the fathers. Jesus became a servant for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Jesus' submission to God's plan proclaims God's character. It proclaims that God is faithful. Jesus' submission to God's plan and his sacrifice guarantees the fulfillment of all of God's promises to Israel. God has made all these promises to his people. He's made these, these covenants with his people. In Christ becoming a servant... Submitting himself to the will of the Father, to God's plan, confirmed the promises made to the Father, made, made um, to the fathers. It proclaims God's faithfulness. Not only does it proclaim God's faithfulness, it proclaims God's mercy. It proclaims God's faithfulness to the Jews. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises to them. They all will be fulfilled through him. But it also proclaims God's mercy. Jesus' submission to God's plan and sacrifice opens the door for Gentiles to know God's mercy and to enter into this great salvation. Jesus is our example. And his action is motivated by God's character, by God's truthfulness. And so his submission proclaims God's character. Jesus submits because God is faithful and because God is merciful. And in his submission to God's plan, he proclaims God's faithfulness and he proclaims God's mercy. This idea that God's mercy spilling over to the Gentiles 
would have been quite controversial to a Jewish audience at this time. So Paul here spends actually several, uh, a good chunk, verses 10, 11, and 12, looking back to the Old Testament, starting here in verse 9. Giving example that, that God's plan to extend his saving grace beyond his covenant people is clearly documented in the Old Testament. He quotes Old Testament passage after Old Testament passage showing that this was God's plan from time past. We even know this as we look back to the Abrahamic covenant in, in Genesis 12, do we not? It includes promises for the nations. All the nations will be blessed through you. If you work your way through here in verse 9, he quotes 2 Samuel 22.50 and Psalm 18.49. As it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. In verse 10, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, is quoted from Deuteronomy 32.43. Verse 11, again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. It's quoted from Psalm 117, verse 1. Verse 12, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he, will, and, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him the Gentiles shall hope. It's Isaiah 11.10. These promises are all scattered all throughout the Old Testament. It doesn't just come from the first five books of the Bible. It doesn't just come from the Psalms or from the prophets. Here he quotes a Psalm. Here he quotes Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and 2 Samuel. It covers the whole range of the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament, God's promises. God, God planned to save Gentiles. To extend his saving grace beyond his covenant people. It's clearly documented throughout the Old Testament. This was God's plan. And Jesus' selfless submission accomplished God's glorious redemption. It is both love for God and love for us that motivated Jesus to set aside his glory. To be wrapped in swaddling clothes and to submit to the death of the cross. Chris and I find ourselves often eating at Pizza Ranch. We've kind of grown sick of it. We eat there so much. We started taking missionaries there because it's easier to go with kids there. And our kids have fallen in love with it. So now that's all they ever want to go. So we find ourselves eating at Pizza Ranch often. And whenever we have the opportunity to go out, the kids off... We, with the kids, we often find ourselves going to Pizza Ranch. That's the only place that they want to go, no matter what other options we put out there. And, because we love them, we are willing to eat Pizza Ranch again and again and again. It's also because half the kids eat free, but... That's... But we love our kids. And we're willing to set aside our preferences to eat at Pizza Ranch again and again and again. What you do 
testifies to what you love and to who you are. Now you have to remember that what, what Paul is saying here, this example that he's using of Christ, it's, it's an example of something. It's an example of sacrificing for one another, of bearing one another's burdens. Your submission to your brother or your sister in Christ in matters of conscience is not just a matter of convenience or accommodation. Your submission to one another in Christ testifies to your love for God. It testifies to your love for your brother and it proclaims your identity as a child of God. Paul puts Jesus's submission to God's plan as the supreme example of sacrifice for others. And what we see is that Jesus did that because of who God is to proclaim his truth. Because he is faithful and because he is merciful. Follow the perfect example of Jesus who sacrificed because of who God is for us. He is our perfect example in sacrificing for one another and bearing one another's burdens. Jesus is our example. Secondly, verse 13, God is our hope. God is our hope. Verse four, chapter 14, the context, as you remember, setting aside matters of conscience, what you uh, can do, what you can't do, eating, drinking. But in all of this, God is our hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul here ends this section with somewhat of a, a, a prayer, a proclamation. This is my desire, that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. God is the source of hope. Paul's prayer here is that my submission to my brothers and sisters in Christ would be rooted in my faith in God. God is the God of hope. In fact, note, note the link to, chapter, to verse 12. Quoting Isaiah, there shall be a root of Jesse, he shall, he, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. There is one to whom the Gentiles shall hope. Who is this? It is the God in whom we trust. May the God of hope. Our God is the God of hope. He's the God of hope for both Jew and Gentile. And because he is the God of hope, I have full assurance. It is the God of hope who will fill me with joy and peace and believing. Joy, it's a, a happy anticipation for God to accomplish all that he has promised. Peace, a settled assurance as I wait on God to accomplish all that he has promised. 
My joy and my peace are rooted in my God. It's because of who He is. He is the God of hope. And who He is informs how I respond. Because He is the God of hope. I will wait with joy and with peace in faith. He's the God of hope. He's also the giver of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, my source of hope, has given me all that I need to abound in hope. He's given me the Holy Spirit. Through whom? His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, I abound in hope. He's equipped me. The God of hope has equipped me for joy and for peace and for hope. And so I abound in hope not based on my circumstances or my possessions. I abound in hope based on my faith in God. My hope is in who my God is. God is both the source of my hope and the strength of my hope. I can give up temporal pleasures or rights because I serve a better God than the God of my belly. And I can proclaim a better message than the message of fleeting pleasures because I have hope. And so I will abound in hope regardless of what I must give up for the sake of my brothers and sisters in Christ, because my hope is bound to my eternal God, the God of hope. This is the foundation of everything that Paul has said in chapter 14 and 15. We must bear with one another. We must be willing to sacrifice for one another. We must be willing to set aside our rights for one another. Why? Because we have a better hope. Our hope is not in this life. It's not in my rights. It's not in my pleasure. I have a better hope, and I proclaim a better message, and so I can sacrifice for the sake of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can set aside my rights, as Jesus set aside his for me. He is my example. And humility. May I be willing to be humble like him. To set aside my rights. And it goes back to who my God is. I can do this. Because I serve the God of hope. I have a greater hope. Because I trust in God. I am free to serve you. My brothers and my sisters in Christ. Your service must be rooted in an understanding of who your God is. Serve one another. Even if you don't get along with one another, even if it's difficult, set that aside and serve one another because of who your God is, because of the hope that you proclaim, because of the peace and the joy that is yours in Christ. Serve one another for the sake of the gospel. 
Serve one another because that is who you are in Christ. That is who your God is. It's easy to serve those you like. It's easy to serve those you get along with. But you can serve those even that you don't get along with. You can serve those that are difficult. Because of who your God is. Because of the hope that you have. Because of the gospel that you proclaim. Because of the life that you share with your brothers and sisters in Christ. May we never forget that. May we cling to that hope. And may it affect our lives. Because what we believe and the God that we say that we hope in, that should affect our lives. That should affect our relationships. And that's the whole point that Paul is making from Romans 12.1 through Romans 15.13. All this theology in these first 11 chapters, who your God is, what he has done, all of this must affect your life and relationships. That's what it comes down to. Are you willing to abound in hope to serve one another because you serve the God of hope? Set aside your rights. In just a second, we're going to come to the Lord's table this evening. And it's our privilege to do it together as a church, regardless of our differences of opinions, because we have one hope because we serve one Savior. In fact, that's what we proclaim as we come to this table.